Welcome to another episode of On the Issues with Alain Ben-Mir. Today's guest is Hannah Senora, former co-CEO of the Israel-Palestine Center for Research and Information and publisher of the Jerusalem Times. He has been a member of the Palestinian National Council since 1990 and has officially represented the Palestine Liberation Organization in several negotiations. A Palestinian Christian living in East Jerusalem, he served as editor-in-chief of the Arabic-language daily Al-Fajr for 20 years and was the founding editor of its English-language weekly publication. He has served as chairman of both the European Palestinian and Palestinian American Chambers of Commerce. In 2007, he was awarded the Peace Prize of Honor from the Order of the Knights of Malta in recognition of his commitment to Palestinian-Israeli peace. He was also awarded the Papal Silver Olive Branch for Peace. In this episode, Alan and Hannah discuss the concept of an Israeli-Palestinian confederation from a Palestinian perspective, including the aspects of security, both Israeli and Palestinian, and the status of Palestinian refugees. They also discuss the Palestinian political environment, including the Palestinian people's loss of confidence in Abbas and who could emerge among younger Palestinians as a trustworthy leader. I'm delighted that you had the opportunity to look at my proposal uh, about um, the need, in my view, at this point, probably inescapable, I, was, I should even add, to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It is, can no longer be based on what we used to think about in terms of 30, 40 years ago completely independent, completely from one another. That is, as you read, the conditions on the ground have changed so much so, whereas we need to preserve the two-state solution to make it now possible, to make it happen, there's going to be extensive collaboration and cooperation between Israel and uh, the, the Palestinian government. Uh, you know, I just want to mention to you something, uh, Hannah. Yes. And uh, in, in uh, my dissertation, going back now more than 40 years, 40 years, more than 40 years, my dissertation was about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and I published it as a book called Imperatives and Choices. Even then, obviously, I advocated the two-state solution as being the only viable option. And I haven't changed my mind because I still believe today that there'll be no solution, there'll be no peace, which also impact the rest of the region to a great extent, unless the Israeli-Palestinian is, uh, conflict is settled based on the two-state solution. Uh, what, what, what is your take, Hannah? Based well, on first of all, I want to tell you something that I heard from the mouth of Yasser Arafat. Uh, I, I was very close to him and uh, sort of an unofficial advisor. And uh, he told me his view of the long term. He said, I would like my relationship with my two neighbors, Jordan and Israel, to be something similar to what was called the Benelux between uh, Luxembourg, uh, Holland, and Belgium. Yes. And he even gave it a name. He, he said, I want to call it the Middle East Benelux. <laughs> yes. And I think it was a precursor of what to, today we have, the EU. Right, right. Well, you know, I think um, 
Arafat, obviously, um, even though publicly at the time he wasn't endorsing much at uh, the State of Israel, but he came around, I think, after 1993, the Oslo Accord, that uh, the only solution, and he went along with that. Except to this day, I still don't know what happened at Camp David in 2000 exactly, based on various what, uh, reports. You know, do you have any clue what happened? Because he believed in, in that the two state well, solution uh, is the only solution. You mean uh, during the term of uh, President Clinton? Yeah, uh, I think uh, it was ill prepared. Yeah. And, uh, uh, there was not really a good input by President Clinton at that time. And uh, uh, certainly, if you look at that period, when uh, both the Israeli Prime Minister and Arafat came back, they, they met in Elat. Yes. And everybody said they made very good progress. Yes. The trouble is that the Israeli Prime Minister was in a very bad political situation and he lost control. Yes, yeah, he did. And, um, but this so is unfortunate. I, th I thought if Clinton persevered or prepared better, we could have a better result. Yes, well, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, the most important lost opportunity was when Rabin was assassinated and the whole process went into limbo. Right. I think the downfall of the Oslo process started from that moment. And then, of course, uh, Netanyahu contributed to that by trying to undermine the accords once he became prime minister in 1996. And he never stopped ever since yes. uh, trying to marginalize the Palestinians and deny them the right for a Palestinian state. I just want to mention to you the, the basis, which uh, you, you, you looked into that. Why am I thinking about uh, the need for confederation? Is because when we look today at certain facts on the ground, I maintain that it is impossible, not as difficult, but impossible to change certain realities. That is the intermingling, the interspersed Israelis and Palestinians in the West Bank, in Jerusalem, in Israel proper, and the relations of Hamas, however hostile, they still did depend on Israel for so many different things. So this, that is demographically, there is almost impossible to change that, for, that picture. Then of course, there's the shared Jerusalem, again, because of the history, because of the holy shrine of, Israel, of, Jew, of the Jews and the, and the Arabs, at the Temple Mount and all of that, that too is going to require significant collaboration in the future. And when it comes to national security, uh, there is no question. Even today, the Palestinian Authority is working closely with Israel when it comes to, to security. Such collaboration in the future will be essential for both the security of Israel as well as the security of, of Palestine. Uh, so that is a, a, another another important element. So when we look when we look at all of that, and of course the Palestinian refugees, I think I think even even the Palestinians themselves, although they don't say it publicly, please let me know what what your thought on this particular point. There is no prospect of any such thing as a right of return, other than maybe a few thousand, 
but the majority will have to be resettled and or compensated in the West Bank and in Gaza itself. So when you look at it, all of this together, there's no way you can separate between the two anymore, which means you have to establish an independent two states, independent from one another, but they need to collaborate on just about everything else in order to make it work. And subsequently, I think, or in the interim also, Jordan eventually will, will eventually become a part of that kind of confederation. This is where I see things going. And when you read the paper, you felt that I was probably on, on, in the right, um, in right direction. Uh, do you still feel the same way? Have you passed this information to your friends? Well, uh, let me give you my point of view and then uh, we'll tell you about uh, how I disseminated the information. Uh, first of all, I, uh, I was always for some kind of confederation, federalization uh, between uh, Israel, Palestine, and Jordan. But today, the concept of confederation would not work because uh, Israel and Palestine will be future, our future republic or our republics in the future, especially on the case of Palestine. But uh, we have our neighbor to the east, and uh, he is, uh, I mean, it's a kingdom. So the only example today which is valid is the EU example where it's a sort of a union type of uh, uh, arrangement. And uh, it, it has been working since its inception. And uh, today, with the exception of the withdrawal of uh, England or the United Kingdom, uh, they have one currency, they have security cooperation, they have one visa to visit all of the countries uh, in the union. And I think they have interdependence. Otherwise their economy would not also uh, function. So all of these make me believe that what we need, uh, the nucleus of such an arrangement. And that's why I like the idea of a Middle East Benelux where it is a sort of EU type of uh, uh, relationship. And, and there is security cooperation, there is economic cooperation, there are open borders between the three countries. Uh, and uh, there is a defense pact between the, the, these three countries. So I think the purpose really us is to refine the idea of confederation and make it make the leaders of the three countries understand that they have to follow suit of what, how Europe developed from being a, a countries like Germany and France in constant war with two world war wars today uh, more than uh, 70 years of peace and uh, development and uh, security cooperation. No, I, I, I think I, I, in terms of uh, using the EU as an example, is certainly a, a good example. 
albeit, of course, there are significant differences. And that is one huge difference so far is that Israel, the current successive Israeli government, especially right-wing Israeli government, still to this day uh, do not want to see the establishment of a Palestinian state, whether in the context of confederation or otherwise. That is especially why- Especially with Bennett as prime minister. Then especially, well, that's right. And he himself, remember a while ago, he was eager to annex uh, Area C, which is 60% of the West Bank. And he was stopped finally, and uh, actually under pressure from Trump at the time, not to proceed. So, so you don't have a government, and this particular government also, they agreed, the coalition government agreed not to touch the, the Palestinian issue because they have so many different views on it and many conflicting views. They decided, well, since we do not agree on a specific solution, let's leave it out of the equation. And that's how this current Israeli government is operating. But in my view, no matter how much this is postponed, no matter how much they reject the establishment of a Palestinian state, the Palestinians, in my view, will never give up their, their right to a state of their own. That is- my I agree view. with you completely. That, well, I mean, I say never, I, I'm willing to underline the word never. So, I'm, and I begin with that premise. So if that is the case, and if you cannot remove just all the settlers from the West Bank, and you cannot move the, uh, either the Jews or the Palestinians from Jerusalem. So what do you do? And that is why I came in with that conclusion, which means there's gonna be some kind of arrangement whereby independence, yes, but I don't wanna call it dependence on one another, but collaboration with one another on matter of security, economics, uh, um, you know, uh, free free movement of people from one side to the next, all of that will have to come, uh, will have to eventually happen. By, by my feeling though, that for that to happen, it's impossible for both sides today to sit down and say, okay, let's agree on confederation and this is what we can, how we're gonna do about it. They need, they need to prepare themselves for it, which means, you know, given the animosity, the hatred, between the two sides, the distrust between the two sides. They're going to need a period of what I call reconciliation first. People to people, government to government. Do you see that a possibility as a prerequisite? I mean, to me, it's a prerequisite. Do you see that uh, happening? That is, is under certain circumstances? Look, uh, I mean, the Oslo process was supposed to try that approach. Yes. And they remember that uh, they agreed that the first five years, uh, Israel will continue to be in the territories and that after five years, uh, Israel will withdraw to almost the borders with maybe some presence left. I, I, I believe in the gradual approach, but we, uh, look, uh, the gradual approach also can be prolonged and never ends. That's why basically we have to agree on the outcome. I agree. If we know what is the outcome, then we can say we want to do it in stages. No, I fully agree. I think that from the day one, they have to- Without uh, knowing what is the outcome, it's very difficult to really go on 
what we have already saw and what has actually collapsed. No, I fully agree with you. That is, we have to have a target. What is the target? What is the ultimate outcome? And then you develop a process that can lead to that over a specific period of time, predetermined. I am, I'm suggesting seven years, five to seven years, where the two sides fully collaborate on so many different fields in just about every field. And then the people to people will become more trusting. They have more confidence. They, they see prospect for, better prospect for the future. Attitudes will change. Minds will change. And that particular period, and I fully agree with you, it has to be defined. It has to have an objective. And the question is, do you feel from your perspective, are the Palestinian Authority or any um, even more extremist than, than the Palestinian Authority are thinking in those terms? Look, uh, today, the Palestinian Authority and Abu Mazen lost the support of their public mm -hmm. for the simple reason is that they are uh, being seen as mercenaries working for the Israeli security. While if it was on an equal level between the three countries, security cooperation would, been, would mean in, in, in its uh, well-known sense that it is cooperation to protection of everyone. Today, security cooperation for the Palestinians is to secure the safety of the Israeli colonists, the, the security soldier, and the hell with the Palestinians. Uh, I, I believe if we define the outcome and put a period, you said seven, I don't mind even 10. However, uh, if that is the case, then security cooperation will be seen in a different manner by the Palestinian public. Right. Now, you, you said uh, the current uh, administration, and uh, Abbas and his government, have lost the public confidence. I fully subscribe to that. I think I are absolutely right. And we've been calling for new elections. Do you feel that there is uh, successors, individuals, who might they be, who are willing to entertain this idea? Let us say there is an election. Who do you see uh, in the forefront? Who might be well, able to uh, succeed? I, I am always a supporter of a leader that has been in Israeli prison for now almost uh, uh, since 2001. You mean Barhouti, Marwan? Barhouti, Marwan, Barhouti. Uh -huh. uh, I, I know Marwan personally, where we sat together with Israelis in order to discuss a possibility of living together, flourishing together, uh, protecting each other, and at the same time, uh, living in peace and prosperity. Barghouti understands that we cannot alone be without some kind of cooperation with our two neighbors. Right. I mean, he's been, he's been a moderate all along. I mean, he's accused of uh, 
being responsible for the death of his father Israelis, but Look, he himself... I, I consider him something similar to Nelson Mandela. Exactly, I was just thinking, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I uh, am... Look, he, he was able to bring over the uh, South African public to understand that they have to protect the white supremacists in their midst. Right, right. Now, now uh, Baruti, I think, and I fully agree with you, would be ideal if Israel were to release him. But, uh, but let's assume, of course, that Israel may not be want to release him. And there's well, going to be... Uh, what we need is really uh, elections where a new leadership and a younger generation comes into power. Today, right. Uh, who, who I, I mean, people are over the hill. Uh, the president is over 84 years old. Uh, most of the members of the Palestinian PNC are also in the same shape and same age. We, we, we need to revitalize the representatives of the people. And I, I think most of our young generation, although they, they want an independent Palestinian state, they understand that they have to cooperate with their two neighbors. Right. Now, who, who do you see? I don't know, you may not want to mention names, but do you see anyone might be climbing that ladder among the Palestinians if there were to be an election who is actually openly support the two-state solution and willing to extend his hand or her hand for peace with Israel. Do you see such an individual on the rise among the Palestinians in the West Bank in particular? I, I, I believe the Palestinian public at large understand this concept. And they will elect people who represent that view. But do, do, you, do you have any? I, I, I don't have names. I mean, there are people like Sari Nusebi and others who understand that you have to cooperate with your neighbors. It's not only him, because the Palestinian public today, if they want to work, they have to cooperate with their neighbor. Uh, if they want to import something, they have to cooperate with their neighbor. And not only their neighbor in Israel, but also with our, their neighbor in Jordan. Yes. And I, I want to ask you, Hannah, you, you, you forwarded my, my plans to some people in the West Bank. Can you tell me a little bit about who to, if you or if you can, and what was the reaction? Well, so I, I, I sent it to the office of the president. I sent it to the wife of Barruti. I sent it to the uh, Sereno Sebe, and uh, I, I, I sent it to, I, I forgot his name right now, the, the man in the Arab Emirates. Dahlan, Dahlan. Yeah, Dahlan, yeah. Yeah, Dahlan, Dahlan. Do you think he would be sort of an acceptable uh, uh, if he were to be? Uh, well, uh, he, he is part of the younger generation leadership. He, he might not be the. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, I think we will be electing reasonable people from all parties, from Fatah, from independence and from Hamas. Do you see any prospect that Abbas finally will agree to Look, an election? Uh, I think he understands 
the idea that Palestine is not historical Palestine, it's only the 67 borders. So, so you know, having a look at the general plan, do you see issues that need to be revisited, modified? in order to make it well, more, uh, more I am uh, uh, quite happy with the attitude so far of the uh, Biden administration. Uh, I'm waiting to see if they will open the consulate in East Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Still, uh, although he spoke about it publicly, but it has not been done. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to lobby the administration and the sec secretary of state to understand our concepts. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I know that you are trying to approach people in the Democratic Party to try to see how how they react to the concept. Yeah, I mean uh, the the Biden administration actually support the idea of a process that is people to people government as a, as a prerequisite. They support that. That's actually, he doesn't want to get deep involved into any kind of peace negotiation because they feel it's premature in the sense that the, 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 the ground is not ripe for it because we need a change of leadership. Specifically, we need a change of leadership in, uh, among the, in, uh, in the West Bank. And with the West yeah, but Bank. it's not only there. We have and, to no, and then, and then in Israel, Israel we have the, I mean, the Israel. present government today, like you said, on the issue of progress in the peace process, they are paralyzed. This is very, this is very true. People who want to go for, uh, forward with the two-state solution and people who say, we want to annex the rest of the West Bank. Yeah, you know, I am definitely very concerned because I feel that the right-wing governments will certainly, in Israel, will certainly not support the establishment of a Palestinian state. And the left side or left of center, they don't have enough uh, public support today. There is a probably slim majority of Israelis that move to the right of center. And that is a major concern to me. That has to be, has to be modified, has to be changed. And I don't think the Israeli government, uh, this one, if this one is not prepared to make such a move, which is representing the, ex, you know, this government represents the entire Israeli political spectrum from the extreme left to the extreme right. And if this government doesn't make certain moves toward some kind of um, uh, peace between Israel and the Palestinians, I don't see what government can do that unless there's some kind of a significant pressure being exerted specifically from Washington. Do you subscribe to that idea, that notion? Uh, this is the only way, as far as I understand the politics uh, without uh, really a kind of a stronger approach by the Biden administration, we will be nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's strong in, in terms of, um, but the pressure probably should be put on both sides, not just on Israel. I mean- Yeah, why not? I mean, the pressure on uh, the Palestinians is to have early elections as soon as possible. And on the Israelis, uh, I, I think there will be an early election within the next uh, six to 12 months. 
and hopefully with the idea of uh, putting forward the approach to the solution so that the Israeli and Palestinian public understand it and the rest of the Arab world also will understand it, then we might expect some change. I, I, I think despite uh, the negativity of the new relationship with the Gulf between Israel and the Gulf, this opening to the Gulf will make the Israelis understand that if they want to grow economically, if you, they want an end to wars in the Middle East, they have to find a solution to the Palestinian issue. Yeah, especially if they want more recognition by more Arab states, specifically the Saudis and, and other countries. Uh, they're going to, I think what, I think what, uh, Israel has a taste now uh, of what it feels to normalize relation with some other Arab countries. And, and uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this will give them an incentive to do something because all the Bahrain, um, United Arab Emirates, Sudan and Morocco made it conditional that Israel does not, should not, cannot be allowed to uh, annex more territory as part of the normalization process. You are aware of that. Yes, yes, I am aware. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's, and on the other hand, I think there is also indirect pressure on the Palestinians because now the Palestinians have been all along feel that they have the backing of the Arab states. Now, once if the Arab state many some begin to normalize relations with Israel, I think the Palestinians are going to feel more or less be left alone to defend for themselves. And that too could be good. That is, Israel has a taste of what normalization can bring. And the Palestinians are terrified, fearful that more and more Arab countries will normalize relations and basically abandon the, the so-called Arab Peace Initiative, which was conditional. So, so there is that, that move that I think it's exerting different kind of pressure on both Israel and the Palestinians in terms of how to move forward. Uh, the, the question is, let's say there is an election in, in, uh, in the West Bank. Where do you see Hamas fit into this whole picture? Well, I mean, even Hamas understands that in order to allow Gaza to breathe, they have to be, to moderate their political intentions and stance. I, I think everybody understands that Without that, the, look, look, the issue here is that the Hamas has taken the condition is ask for the maximum to be able to uh, compromise. While uh, in the Oslo process, we compromised early and got nothing. Mm -hmm. So they are not using that approach. But do you, do you think there is any prospect for Hamas and the Palestinian Authority be that Look, under they Mahmoud have a Ab problem. They have two million, million people in Gaza Strip. Yes. They, but, they have to find a solution. Otherwise, they will lose also, like Abu Mazen lost the support of the public. Also, Hamas can lose that support. Yeah, no question. But do, my question to you, do you feel that Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, be that under Abbas or otherwise, can find some kind of a modus operandi to work together, or there is no such a prospect 
this kind of cooperation. Well, well, that's why I believe uh, the old figures that has been running uh, the situation in the West Bank and Gaza have to give a place for the younger generation. And I, I think the younger generation understands very well that without cooperating with their neighbors, they can, can never see a Persian state. I mean, that's, well, I, I'm hoping that's the case. But do you, do you uh, feel I, it? Do you I, feel? I, I'm certain like that. I mean, look, I did two things in my life that I am proud of. Uh, I remember very clearly that one of the two first Palestinians to uh, denounce terrorism was myself and Elias Frisch, the late mayor of Bethlehem. Yes, yes. And the second one was to tell our Palestinian friends that to accept two for two, because I believed uh, that we, uh, although the leadership was afraid to uh, accept it, I told them it's not we who should be afraid to accept it. It's the Israeli government who does not want to accept it. And uh, I was able to convince them to accept it. You mean, you mean Resolution 242, yeah. which was subsequently reaffirmed with the three... Um, uh, three well, well it, it was then reaffirmed with the, with the uh, denunciation of terrorism. That, that's right, in, in, yeah, 1993. And which opened the way for George Schultz to... Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, this is what I also, uh, when I met with uh, George Schultz, at the State Department, I was one with my colleague from uh, Gaza who passed away. We, we went to, we were invited to meet George Schultz uh, in Washington at the State Department. And we told him, one, you have to talk to the PLO. And the other thing we said that uh, a Palestinian state is necessary. And we would like a process to go uh, uh, forward with it. And uh, actually, he, he understood it and he, he opened the way for uh, the come uh, after Reagan, the Bush uh, administration, to start the uh, Madrid uh, conference. And just, just one thing I, I, I was going to ask you uh, when you send the, the proposal to some of the people you mentioned, did you get any reaction? Well, uh, most of them uh, said that they are considered it as a good idea, but uh, they, they, uh, what helped actually is that you published it in uh, Al-Quds newspaper. I didn't know, I just published and it. And in Arabic. Uh, yeah. And it was uh, well publicized. Excellent. And many people uh, discussed it with me. They, they said that this is a good idea to look forward to a solution. That's why I said, if we accept this as the ultimate stage and then put timeline to achieve it, yes. th then I think you will have everybody uh, accepting it. Yeah. Uh, the, my problem is uh, not the Palestinian public or the Palestinian leadership. My problem is that today, Israel is divided on some 
what I can call a coalition government of the sort that is paralyzed and unable to make a decision. Yes, specifically in connection with the Palestinians. Although they are talking about making the occupation a little easier, providing some more economic help, easing the blockade, that's what uh, Lapid would like to do, ease the blockade on Hamas. But to me, all these measures, okay as a process, but they've got to lead to, to, to the end to, to something. To something, yes. Yeah. And that's, yeah, not, that's not on the card as far as this government, Israeli government is concerned. Uh, finally, just, you know, uh, you, you've been at this for so long yourself uh, and have first-hand experience specifically with the Palestinians. Uh, what's your vision? Do you see Do you see any prospect at any time, say in the foreseeable future, that things can change in a, in a, in a, in a enough dramatic way to eventually bring this conflict to an end? Well, I always uh, try to look at what happened in Germany. Everybody thought that the Berlin Wall will never fall. And all of a sudden it fell. So when there is hope for a better future and uh, a solution like the one that you raised and I support is a solution that will hopefully bring the walls of not accepting a solution from, from the Israeli and both the Palestinian and the Arab public. Right. I, I think we, try, we have to try to publicize more and more and, and uh, let, let others beside us talk about such a solution. You know, it's basically, you know, when you mentioned the example of Germany, France, you know, here, of course, two people have to have a claim to the same land, but they also need eventually to uh, accept one single fact that neither can change. They must coexist in one form or another. They can kill each other for another 70 years or find uh, some uh, peace between the two sides. That is, neither the Palestinian nor the Israeli can get rid of the other. They're yes. stuck. Look, I, I think COVID in a way, although it has been a plague upon the whole world, has made everybody understand that in order to fight it, it's a global fight and it's not uh, just a, a local fight. Right. And, right. and the Israeli-Palestinian case is also, in my opinion, a global fight where we have to have other nations also participate in the solution and help us. Israelis and Palestinians understand that this is the only way. That's right. Well, let's 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 hope so. Let's let's really hope so. I'm uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, I continue to push. I've been pushing this for more than four decades now, and people ask me, "Aren't you getting tired of this?" And I said, "I cannot get tired, because the these two people, Israelis and Palestinians, need to coexist." And they, if once they have a taste of what peace is all about, they, they will realize that it is way, way overdue and should have happened many, many, many years ago. But I, I still believe, I'm still an, op, an optimist that, that things will, which will change on the ground enough and there will be both Israelis and Palestinian leaders who will come to the fore 
and say enough is enough. Let's sit down and find a permanent solution. That's my hope. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I feel the same way, actually, all through my political career. And I started as a pharmacist who was only interested in the family business. And then all of a sudden I had to run a daily newspaper, which was a sort of a mouthpiece of the Fatah movement in Palestine. I always advocated a kind of a solution based on the, in a sort of way, interdependence, like what is now happening in the fight of COVID in the United States, except there are, you know, Republicans and Democrats uh, trying to uh, win the voters and giving each a different point of view. Uh, the only point of view we have to listen to is the point of view of reason. And it's exactly. reason, much more reasonable not to kill each other, but to cooperate with one another. And in, way, in this way, we can bring peace, stability, prosperity, and a better life for all the peoples of the region. I, I cannot agree with you more. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time, Hannah. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.